0: We had our brothers read three passages of good Scripture to us. Acts chapter 14, the Apostle Paul warned those men at Lystra that God had winked at their folly and ignorance in times past, but He had left a witness for Himself and that He had done good, filling their hearts with fruitful seasons. When God blesses you with a goodness, a promotion, favor, increase, income, A shiny, sunny day that blesses your heart. It is a witness that there is a good being in the universe. And Acts chapter 14 tells us that that witness ought to cause men to humble themselves before God and to leave off their foolish religious ideas. Then we had a brother read to us Matthew chapter 13 that speaks of the fact that God hid these things from many and revealed them to His disciples. That is not well known today, but you better believe it because it's true. And any truth that you see, you should thank the Lord for it. Many righteous men, many kings, had desired to see and hear and know the things that Jesus taught His apostles, but only a few had. And then we had read to us in Galatians chapter 1, the warning from the Apostle Paul that if he were to show up on the scene again in Galatia, and preach any other gospel than what he had preached to them the first time, he was to be accursed. If any other man, maybe those that he had ordained were to show up and preach any other gospel, they were to be accursed, thrown out of the church, rejected as heretics. If an angel from heaven came and preached any other gospel, different than what Paul had already taught them, they were to reject him as well showing us the seriousness of maintaining the apostolic doctrine as it was given by Paul. I'd like to use these words from Acts chapter 14. When Paul ran in among the crowd that was going to worship them and said, Sirs, why do ye these things? I want to ask the rest of our city and the rest of our nation, sirs, Why do ye these things? And by these things, I mean their Easter celebration today. Children, let's take a few minutes and remind ourselves so that you will be able to answer others as to why we don't celebrate Easter. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28, which is the verse I began with a few minutes ago as I opened this service. All the ministers, they claim the name of Jesus Christ that claim to be Christians and Bible Christians in this country, sirs, why do ye these things? Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. All things mean that you had better not leave anything out. Whatsoever means you had better not add anything it better be exactly what Jesus Christ taught His apostles. This is what the apostles carried to the Gentiles. All things whatsoever Jesus Christ had taught them. This little rule here in Matthew twenty-eight twenty is consistent through the whole Bible. God has said how He wants to be worshipped. He doesn't want us adding to it or taking away from it. He doesn't want us turning to the left hand or to the right hand. Come back to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, and let's see that this is a rule of worship under both Testaments. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Sirs, why do ye these things? The first reason we don't practice Easter is because we can't find it in the Bible. We're Bible Christians. We believe God has shown us everything He wants us to know in the Bible. He wants us to do all things that are in the Bible and not add anything to the Bible. Here we have the, here we have it worded this way. Deuteronomy 532. Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you that ye may live and that it may be well with you and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. We don't observe Easter because it's not taught in the Bible. And the Bible tells us not to turn to the left or to the right from what He's taught us and He didn't teach us about celebrating Easter. Right. Look at chapter 12. Amen. Chapter 5 told us don't turn to the left hand, don't turn to the right. How does chapter 12 put it? Verse 32. What thing soever I command you? Does that sound like Matthew 28:20 20 to you? Amen. Does it sound like there's a consistent emphasis on teaching and observing exactly what God has ordained in both Testaments? Right. What thing soever I command you, observe to do it, thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. This is the commandment of the Lord. The reason we don't celebrate Easter is because it's not in the Bible. And the Bible tells us, don't add to what's in the Bible. Don't take away from what's in the Bible. Don't turn to the left hand. Don't turn to the right hand. If you grow up in a church, or if you grew up in a church that observes Easter, there's pleasant things about Easter. I loved hunting Easter eggs. Because I got to eat them. And I like chocolate. Sunrise services are kind of neat. Get up early in the morning. Go out there and stand and look at the sun come up. Sing in a different place. It's some variety. Good Friday sounded good to me. If it's called Good Friday, it must be good. That Jesus died on Good Friday and rose on Sunday morning. I was sure He must have come up with the sunburst in the morning. People get used to it. They get comfortable with it. And so they perpetuate it through generations. And now we have it adopted by most Baptists today, even though it's a Roman Catholic whitewashed holiday. We can't find it in the Bible. But we do know where to find it. We can find Easter in pagan history. Pagans have always loved sunrises. They've always loved the spring. Because in the spring, the sun becomes powerful again and revives life in the earth. You know, winter, how many people, and there may be a few, don't raise your hands because we don't want to focus on you, but how many think of winter as their favorite season? Not very many. Spring's the favorite season of many because spring is wonderful. Spring brings life back. The warm sun, the sun climbing in the horizon in the northern hemisphere, life mating, reproduction, growth, money of fruitful seasons, planting, expectations of harvest, all of that flows from the sun changing its course, at least to our, that's how we view it, the sun changing, though it's the earth spinning on its 23 and one third degree angled axis. You know why a globe doesn't sit straight up and down, don't you? Because God didn't set the globe straight up and down. Amen. He set it at 23rd and the third degrees and that is wonderful because we get seasons if it was 90 to, if it was straight up and down there would be no seasons it would be the same all year round but he tilted it so as it goes around the sun we get the benefits of seasons well those seasons caused pagans who couldn't think any higher than the sun worshipping the sun god to have spring festivals and they called them easter and they had the practices associated with them that we can see out there in our own city right they would have sunrise services to worship that rising sun in the spring at the vernal equinox. The vernal equinox is around March 21st, and that's when the length of the day and the length of the night are the same. Now when's the longest day of the year? Around the longest day? June 21st or so? Shortest day? December 21st. And so the sun is moving back and forth over the northern hemisphere, increasing the days, shrinking the days, and when they're equal, it's called the vernal equinox, or the autumnal equinox. They could measure that. That's not that hard to measure. Really, it's this easy. When's the shortest day? When's the longest day? Let's divide by two and find the middle, okay? They weren't that, they weren't all that complicated or sophisticated, but they could figure out that equinox, and so sure enough, there were pagan celebrations to worship the sun because it's coming back into strength, and now the days are longer than the nights. We're in for some fruitful seasons for several months. We can find it in encyclopedias. If you go look up Easter in any encyclopedia, you pick. That way you can be fair. With the subject of Easter, you will find out that the day, the date, the name, and the practices associated with it come from paganism, not from the Bible. Is the word Easter in the Bible? Once. It's used in Acts chapter 12 and verse 4, and we understand it there to be referring to the Passover, which in the English language and European languages does call Passover Easter, because of the timing of the event. If you go read Acts chapter 12 and verses 3 and 4 very carefully, you will find out that Herod was waiting for the days of unleavened bread to pass, And another name in the Bible for the Feast of Unleavened Bread is Passover. So you know what's being discussed there. Second reason that we don't worry about Acts chapter 12 is, who was the one that was worried about it? Herod. Herod was a pagan king. We're not going to establish our New Testament doctrine by a pagan king. It was Herod that was worried about it. Third, who was celebrating the days? The Jews, not the Christians. So for all those reasons, the one occurrence in Acts 12 has no meaning to us at all other than that it refers to Passover, which we don't celebrate. But if you look up in an encyclopedia, you will find out where Easter came from. So we have to ask, Sirs, why do ye these things? If it's not in the Bible, and it is found in paganism, why are they all doing it? The name gives it away as evil. The Oxford English Dictionary says about Easter, the name is derived from Eostra, the name of a goddess whose festival was celebrated at the Vernal Equinox. Her name shows that she was originally the Dawn Goddess. I didn't say any of this. I'm just reading it to you. This is where the Word came from. You know, we all understand where Christ's Mass came from. Christmas is a is a word form of the combination of two other words Christ mass as baptists we don't observe the mass the mass belongs to what religious order roman catholicism we're not catholics we don't have a mass we don't believe that a little cracker becomes god we don't keep the mass we are repulsed by the mass the mass is an abomination and so is christ mass on december 25th A few days after, the winter solstice. More sun worship. What was that day? Saturnalia. The worship of the sun in ancient Rome. Long before Jesus Christ. But the Pope comes along and, listen, if we wanted to turn this church into a mega church, there's a very simple way to do it. All the things that people like to do, let them keep doing those things and give them Christian names. And so the Pope came along, found all the pagan practices, and gave them Christian names. There isn't one clue anywhere that Jesus would have been born in December. But there was this great big feast in Rome called Saturnalia. They needed to cover it somehow, so they called it the birth of Christ. The day was actually called the birth of the Invincible Son to the Romans. So they turned it into the Son of God. Not a thing in the Bible about Jesus being born in December. The name of Easter gives it away as being pagan. That is amazing when it tells us so plainly, anybody can look it up and find it out for themselves where it came from. So what we've, we've done two things so far. It's not in the Bible. And God tells us to worship Him based on what's in the Bible. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. But sirs, you've added to the Word of God. And what you've added to the Word of God are pagan practices that are easily proven by anyone. The date gives it away as evil. You can't figure out the date unless you go to a calendar. What, What day of the year is Easter going to be next year? What day of April? Or March? You don't know yet. You've got to look somewhere and find out. Because it's based on that vernal equinox. Now God doesn't take kindly to men worshiping the sun. It happened a few times in the Bible. You can turn to 2 Kings chapter 23. 2 Kings chapter 23. Here's just one typical verse. If you were a pagan and had not thought any higher, you would value the sun very much. It, we depend on the sun. If the sun stayed down in the southern hemisphere, it would get kind of cold. You know, the little bit of cold that it gets is just the sun going down and touching a spot and coming back up. But what if the Lord turned it off for a little while? Or what if it kept going? Or what if it stayed down there in the southern hemisphere? It would get cold! So they worship the sun. It's light. It's life. It causes reproduction of the, of the plant world. Sun, it's a powerful thing makes you feel good on a sunny day. And they got all excited about those things because they didn't know the God of heaven because He had revealed Himself only obscurely in the creation and only specifically to the nation of Israel. The other nations had not known Him. 2 Kings 23.5, it's a long verse. Follow with me. And this, this is speaking about the great revival by Josiah. And he put down the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and the places round about Jerusalem. Them also that burned incense unto Baal, to the sun, and to the moon, and to the planets, and to all the hosts of heaven. When Josiah had a revival, he went and put those kind of priests down right. that had been used by the kings before that time to celebrate the heavenly bodies. The date gives it away as evil. Jeremiah chapter 10. We read it earlier this morning, but let's, go, let's get it again. And notice what it says about the heathen. We don't worship the Son. We worship the Creator of the Son. We don't worship the Son. We worship the Son of God. Jeremiah 10, verse 1, Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. That's all I need right now. What I want you to notice is God tells His people, do not learn the way of the heathen, and one of the ways of the heathen is to be dismayed at the signs in the heaven. A solstice and an equinox are signs in the heaven that there are changes of seasons coming, and they get dismayed, And they celebrate these things. And it goes on to describe their celebration. And God says, the customs of the people are vain. And that's what we say about all the customs of Easter. It's vain. It's not in the Bible. It's man-made. It's pagan in origin. The date gives it away as evil because it is based on something in the heavens. They look up. They see the vernal equinox. It's time to celebrate. Not what saith the Lord. The customs give it away. What does a rabbit, now I've been over this a little bit already, what does a rabbit with eggs have to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Nothing at all. But where did a rabbit with eggs come from? A little rabbit with a basket of eggs is a very powerful symbol of fertility. A woman without eggs is not going to have any children. Any mammal without eggs is not going to have any children. Eggs are a sign of reproduction and fertility and sexual power to reproduce in the spring, especially. And a rabbit is known for reproducing very rapidly. It's well known. Everybody knows that. But here comes a rabbit with eggs. Rabbits don't lay eggs, do they, Jonathan? No way. Mama rabbits have baby rabbits. They don't have eggs. But why do, you, why do they put those two things together? How long have they been together? A long time. And it is a picture of sexual fertility and the reproductive power in nature. And they associate that with the Lord Jesus Christ. Sirs, why do ye these things? Today they're having Easter egg hunts on church grounds in the name of good fun for the children. But the Lord doesn't want us learning any of the customs of the people. It said, learn not the ways of the heathen, for the customs of the people are vain. That's why we don't celebrate Easter. Rabbits don't lay eggs. You can say that when somebody asks you. And rabbits with a basket of eggs don't have anything to do with the religion of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us don't add to or take away from. We can't do it. We won't do it. We're going to hold fast to what the Bible's taught us. Listen to these encyclopedias. Let me read a couple to you. Encyclopedia International. Many of the customs associated with Easter are derived from various spring fertility rites of the pagan religions which Christianity supplanted. Not our Christianity. Because our Christianity wouldn't have allowed them to keep those pagan rites. But when Roman Catholics came along, they let the people keep their customs and just gave them some sort of a Christian name or Christian significance so they could keep on doing the things they'd always done. But when the Bible comes along, it makes men change their lives. Amen. The Bible tells us about the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. They turned from idols to serve the living God. Amen. Acts chapter 19 tells us that when Paul preached in Ephesus, they brought, the, they brought their magic books and burned them before all men and the value was 50,000 pieces of silver. They burned up all their books that had to do with the occult and spirit and Harry Potter and all the rest of that garbage that had to do with wizards and witchcraft. They burned it all up to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The true religion of Jesus Christ does not allow you to keep your pagan practices. You will observe and worship me the way that I tell you in the Bible. You will not add to it and you will not take away from it. The Catholic encyclopedia says, "...a great many pagan customs..." Celebrating the return of spring, gravitated to Easter. I'm glad they know it. Uh, It gets better. I'll, 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 I'll read you some better things from the Catholic Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia Britannica. Christianity incorporated in its celebrations of the great Christian feast day many of the heathen rites and customs of the spring festival. Those customs existed before Jesus Christ. They had always been keeping those things. The earth's been here for 6,000 years. For 4,000 years, they would not worship the Creator. They worshiped the creature, including the sun. And then when Christianity came along, they just whitewashed the stuff to keep everybody happy and build large churches. If you want to build a large church, it's very easy. Let the people do whatever they want and call them good Christians. A Roman Catholic, all he has to do is have a little water sprinkled on his forehead. He becomes a member of the church when he's a couple days old. And he becomes a citizen of the state when he's in a Catholic nation. Christianity isn't like that. Amen. Right. How about the rabbit again? The Catholic Encyclopedia. The rabbit is a pagan symbol and has always been an emblem of fertility. Why do they associate it with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Encyclopedia International, the Easter rabbit, legendary producer of Easter eggs, was also a symbol of fertility and new life. The egg, according to Britannica, Encyclopedia, the egg is a symbol of fertility and of renewal of life goes back to the ancient Egyptians and Persians who had also the custom of coloring and eating eggs during their spring festival. I didn't say that. I read it. They colored them. Persians and Egyptians. Those are two nations that God did not give His truth to. He gave it to the nation of Israel. Sunrise services. You know, when you see men in suits that drove decent cars to a sunrise service, you think it must be okay because it looks so civilized and acceptable. But if you strip away the cars and you strip away the clothes and put them in a loincloth, all of a sudden it looks a little more accurate. Then you see natives in loincloths staring at the east, watching the sun come up as they chant to it. And so there were churches today that went out and stood on hillsides and sang hymns about Jesus Christ to a rising sun. Where is that in the Bible? Jesus said, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Right. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Do it the way I said, and it's not in the Bible. Amen. Sunrise services are wrong. Amen. Because it's not in the Bible, and we're told to keep whatever's in the Bible, we can't add to the Word of God. But look at Ezekiel chapter 8 if you want to see a sunrise service and see what God has to say about it. Ezekiel chapter 8. Do you understand the power of Matthew 28, verse 20? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. If there is not a specific commandment for it, we don't make it up and add to it. And if there's a specific commandment for it, we do it that way and no other way. God doesn't have to say, no, don't do this. No, don't do that. No, don't do that either. To all the things that could possibly be done because that would take a book this big. He wrote one this big and He said, do it exactly as I said. That way you don't need all those don'ts. We don't need a verse that says, don't come to church naked. Because He says to adorn yourself in modest apparel. He doesn't need to say all the rest. He doesn't have to have a verse that says, don't worship Buddha. He says, worship me. And that's all it takes. We worship God only. And so it rules out all other options. All other alternatives. Look at Ezekiel 8. In Ezekiel 8, God takes His prophet Ezekiel and says, this nation is so wicked, I have to judge them. And He begins to show him God begins to show Ezekiel abominations that they were committing. They had an image of jealousy in the first four verses, first six verses. Then he showed them the imagery of their abominable idols in the next four or five verses. Then he showed them that there were women weeping for Tammuz, And then he brings them to verse 15. The Lord does. Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord, and their faces toward the east. And they worshipped the sun toward the east. These are God's people. May, May I call them Christians though they were before Jesus Christ. Just for you to understand, these are God's people. This is God's church. They're at God's temple and they're doing something in worship there. They have their backs toward the temple of the Lord because God made sure His temple was laid out so that when you walked through the door, you were facing west. They had their backs to the temple of the Lord and they were worshiping the sun in the east. When is the sun in the east? This is a difficult question. When is the sun in the east? In the morning at sunrise. It's in the east. And there they were, worshiping the sun in the east with their backs to the temple of the Lord. And this is the culminating example in Ezekiel 8 of an abomination done by the nation of Israel, the Lord's people. And so today there are Christians, many of whom are the Lord's people, who are out there celebrating... Worshiping the sun, though they're singing to Jesus. But see, God does not accept worship that uses custom practices, even if it's done to the Lord. Do you know that? I don't think you do. Do you see the sunrise service in Ezekiel 8? God calls it an abomination, and a great abomination at that. And so He says, I will deal in my fury. Verse 18, mine I shall not spare, neither will I have pity. You say, "Well, those people that are out there aren't worshiping the sun." Okay, I'll grant you that—that that they may not be worshiping the sun. Come over to Deuteronomy chapter 12 again. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 12. This is a principle that you should never forget, children. Austin, our newest young member, don't—I don't want you to forget this. When somebody says, "But when I go to a sunrise service, I'm not worshiping the sun. I'm doing it for Jesus." There's an answer for that in the Bible. And we've already got the answer because Jesus said, only do those things that I have commanded you. Don't add to them, don't take away. And we know that sunrise services are not one of those things. Because there's no sunrise service in the Bible except this one, and God condemns it. But here's the answer. Deuteronomy 12, verse 29. When the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, whither thou goest to possess them, and thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their land. Take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them. After that they be destroyed from before thee. And that thou inquire not after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God. For every abomination to the Lord which he hateth have they done unto their gods. The key verses... The key words are the first part of verse 31. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God. The principle there is, Moses and God are not condemning worshiping an idol. They are condemning worshiping God with idolatrous customs. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God. It doesn't say, thou shalt not do so unto Baal. It says, thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God. Do not take the customs of false religion and use them in my worship. I don't want to be worshipped that way. Worship me the way I have told you. Thou shalt not do so unto me. It doesn't matter where your heart is. If you're using customs of pagan religion to worship God, it's unacceptable. Sirs, Why do ye these things? We are going to be the pillar and ground of the truth. And we ought to say, so help us God. We will defend the truth of God's Word. And we are not going to celebrate Easter. Good Friday is a joke. Jesus gave one sign to His generation that He was the Son of God. The Pharisees came to Jesus and said, show us a sign. All He had done for three and a half years is perform miracles one after another. And they said, give us a sign. He said, an evil and an adulterous generation seeketh a sign. And there's going to be no sign given to you except the sign of Jonah. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so the Son of Man is going to be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. Three days and three nights. They call it Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning. One day... And two nights. Jesus said three days and three nights Amen. is the proof that I am the Son of God. They allow one day and two nights. You say, well, how about the parts of Friday and Sunday? Can't we count them too? Okay, go ahead and count them, although they shouldn't be counted. Three days and two nights. How do you get three days and three nights between Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning? You cannot. You cannot. It's a joke, and God made it simple enough that even us simple little people can understand that that holiday is not apostolic religion. Right. Because the Bible tells us very carefully in 1 Corinthians 15 that the true gospel of Jesus Christ is the record of how Jesus died, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Amen. And according to the Scriptures means three days, three nights. Good Friday's a joke. Jesus was buried on Wednesday night at six o'clock. Right. So easy to prove it with the Bible. And he rose Saturday night about six o'clock. There isn't a thing in the Bible that says Jesus rose in the morning. The Bible tells us that when the women went to the tomb, it was still dark. And when they got there, he was long gone. Yeah. Right. Right. The angels were already sitting there saying, who are you looking for? He's already risen. He didn't rise in the morning. If he was there three days, what time was he buried? Was He buried in the morning? Well, He said three days and three nights. That would make it a 72-hour period. So you back up to Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, and He rose Saturday night at 6 o'clock. And we've got a very good chart on the website for you to go look at and see it laid out very clearly. There was a Sabbath day. The next day was the Sabbath of the Passover. The women rested that Sabbath, then there was an open day on Friday. On that day, they went and purchased spices and prepared them to anoint his body. Then they rested the weekly Sabbath, and on the first day of the week, they went to anoint him. 72 hours. The Lord makes things very simple for us, brothers and sisters, for us to be able to see that they defy the very sign that Jesus gave of who he was. Fish on Friday. Who came up with that idea? Fish on Friday. That is Roman Catholicism. There's only one creature that can outdo a rabbit. It's a fish. I'm serious. One cod can spawn nine million in a year. One cod can spawn nine million. Why do you think the Pope wears a fish hat? Haven't you ever seen his hat? It's the open mouth of a fish. He 's still worshiping Dagon like the rest of the Philistines on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. Amen. Do you know what I'm talking about that mitre that he puts on his head? Go look at it from the side. it 's the open mouth of a fish, and they want to eat fish on Friday. What does the Bible say about forbidding meat on Friday for Catholics? It says it 's a doctrine of the devil. First Timothy chapter four verses one through three. For any religious system to say you can 't eat meat is a doctrine of the devil. And we're going to join hands with them at Eastertide? No, we are not. Hot cross buns don't have time. Go look them up. Go look up hot cross buns if you think they were just invented 20 years ago by some bakery in town. Those little cakes originated a long time before Jesus Christ because God condemned in Jeremiah chapter 44 the women of Israel baking cakes to the Queen of Heaven. Oh, another goddess involved. You got it. Don't forget it. All the, all the customs associated with that day come from paganism. See, there's no verse in the Bible that says, if you really want to celebrate my resurrection, make hot cross buns and eat them after church. No verse like that in the Bible at all. So much could be said about Roman Catholicism, but we'll just pass by it because we're out of time. How do, we, how do we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Bible? Does Jesus Christ want us to remember that He rose from the dead? Amen. Two ways. Two ways. Amen. We preach the Gospel that tells the details of it. That He rose from the dead. He tore the bars away. There was an earthquake that opened the tombs in the cemeteries around Jerusalem. And the saints came up and wandered into the city and said, Oh! The power of Jesus Christ's resurrection brought the dead out of their graves in the cemeteries around Jerusalem. And for 40 days, he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. This is all in the Bible. He ate and drank. He said, Thomas, you don't believe that it's really me? Stick your finger in the holes in my hands. Stick your hand into my side. The Bible tells us all these things. We preach it. We read it. We love it. We believe it. We sing about it. Those are the things God told us we can do, we should do, we must do, and so we do them. Right. That's one way we, we remember the resurrection. You know, when you tell somebody that I don't believe in Easter, I don't celebrate Easter, our church doesn't celebrate Easter, they say, well, do you believe that Jesus rose again? You know, actually, we should say, why would you ask that question? The two are unrelated. But see, it's so connected in their minds, they have to ask that. But you can answer, of course we celebrate and remember and love the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it's taught in the New Testament. But we can't find anything about Easter there. But number two, the the second way that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ is every time we have a baptism. And that is why your pastor takes pains to explain each baptism that we have for you to see the picture that's there. There is a burial and a resurrection from water in a figure of what Jesus Christ did for us. It tells us that in the Bible. It tells us that in 1 Peter 3.21, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is a figure of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that is how we observe it. We are doing all things that Jesus Christ taught His apostles, who in turn taught it to us. We don't leave those things out. You know, the Catholics and all the churches that came from them don't even baptize right. They're not doing anything about the resurrection except pagan practices. They've taken away from the Word of God by leaving immersion and sprinkling babies. They've added to the Word of God by adding sunrise services and Easter eggs. We're going to be Bible Christians and we're going to be a pillar and ground of the truth. Amen. And a pillar and the ground of the truth can't celebrate Easter. It's not in the Bible. It's pagan. It violates the very sign that Jesus gave of who He was that He would be three days and three nights in the ground. Rabbits and eggs have nothing to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism has everything to do with it. Yeah. And so we're Baptists. We baptize by immersion. These things are all very simple, children, but the whole world is going to pick on you for it. Do you remember... In a passage that's been read, Mr. Baker prayed it in his prayer. It's been said several times. Those that depart from evil make themselves a prey. P-R-E-Y. Meaning somebody wants to eat you up. Meaning somebody wants to persecute you. When you depart from the ways of the world and try to follow the Bible the way it's laid out for us, plain black and white print, when you do that, You make yourself an object of scorn by the rest of the world. Do not be surprised. Do not fear it. Our ancestors before us were fed to lions, were burned at the stake, and killed in all sorts of inhumane ways, many of which I cannot say in this company. They, They were killed horrifically because they would not follow the Catholic religion And they were going to follow the New Testament. And they laid down their lives for it. Now, where are some real men? Do we have some real men in this assembly that are going to lead their wives and lead their children and lead their grandchildren? And we are going to be a pillar and ground of the truth. And we are not going to compromise with the world. Sirs, why do ye these things? Lord Jesus, accept our worship according to the truth of your New Testament Scriptures. We thank you for them. We thank you for pricking our heart and causing us to love them. Lead us in them ever more perfectly.